You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform we've created to bring the Nordic tech community together. My name is Charlotte Roberts and I'm your host. Perfect. So firstly, I'd just like to say a massive thank you for everyone who's joining me today. Um, so we're going to be discussing how to use data and analytics to improve user satisfaction. Um, before we go ahead and get started with the podcast questions, um, I'll just go around the table and get everybody's introductions. Um, so yeah, if Dick, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be lovely. Yeah, please. Thanks for having me. My name is Dick Erickson. I work as a senior data analyst in, in uh, IKEA. I've been uh, employed in IKEA since about six months. Uh, what I do there every day, I work with digital product analysis and understanding and storing uh, behavior and usage of digital products within the stores. Also work a lot with the processes and the ways of working with data in these cross-functional teams that we're working with. I'm fairly new to the to the analytics scene. I've been here for about four or five years. I used to work in a store chain where we sold a lot of wall paint and, and uh, wallpapers and stuff. But the last few years I was there, I was there as a store manager. And then I got more and more interested in the actual numbers, what we were selling, where those things were placed and so on. And I did a lot of this manual pen and paper analytics. Uh, didn't even use Excel or anything like that. And then I thought there must be better ways of doing this. And uh, that's the way I came into data for real. Nice. I love that. Thank you very much, Dick, for that introduction. Um, if Maz, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be lovely. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Maz. I work as a data and business analyst at IKEA, where I'm supporting the smart home division with uh, insights regarding our customers, connected smart home products, and the whole ecosystem around it. I've been with IKEA for a little over 18 months now and kind of really enjoy being part of the company, which is on a mission to make everyday life simple for the many people. Uh, my day-to-day -day role is uh, basically just helping out different value stream, uh, like marketing and communication, sales, different products owner, product owners of like smart sound, smart safety, and other areas of which is understanding different aspects of customers and the usage of uh, the product itself. Outside of work, I'm passionate about sports and spend most of my time playing various kinds of it. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast today. Of course, and thank you very much, Maz, for that introduction. That was great. Um, Ashwani, last but certainly not least, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yep, sure. Hi, everyone. And first of all, thanks for having me here. And it's great to, I, I have spoken to Charlotte before, but great to have this uh, conversation with Dick and Maz. So myself, Ashwadi Pandita, and I am head of data engineering, leading the data engineering stream within data services at Telia Sweden. And my role is, as it says, I mean, as I said, I mean, it's I have data engineers who sit in my team. We make sure then we are building we are building the right products and you know deliver the right kind of uh, insights towards the Swedish business. And I must say, currently, we are kind of undergoing one of the big transformations within this area. Uh, and about the analytics, yes, I mean, my almost 15, 16 years experience from the BI and analytics in different roles. Uh, and I, I must say, like, within the work, I am passionate about the work, the data. I mean, it's, yes, and as I, as I said, it has been 
my whole experience has been analytics also i'm really yeah i really love it's it's uh, it's so interesting to see okay what value data brings maybe we'll talk more about that in this podcast and outside work i love listening music and yes playing cricket whenever weather allows <laughs> love that so, yeah thank you very much for that uh, for that introduction we'll go ahead and get started in um with the questions now then um, so before we go ahead uh, with the submitted questions, um, I thought it'd be a good idea just to go around just to understand from everybody, how do you use data to improve user satisfaction and what does user satisfaction look like to you? Um, so yeah, I think I'd go ahead and get, get started um, with Maz, if, if you want to go first. Absolutely. I think user satisfaction for me is uh, kind of like the result of how users experience their usability and usefulness of the products or services being offered to them. Uh, and especially at the IKEA Home Smart, the way that we are trying to use the data to improve user satisfaction is to collect the data, especially the customer data from different uh, surveys and get it from like the applica uh, mobile application reviews and ratings and just to understand the customer needs, uh, what are their uh, sentiments about the products or services they're using, and also just to understand uh, the complaints that they're having regarding those products and just trying to overcome those uh, by building better products day by day. Nice, thank you very much for that explanation. Ashwani, what does it look like for you? Yeah, like for me, it's like how happy our customers are. And how how do we how do we see that? How can we kind of reflect that? I mean, within uh, now within my area, like within analytics, like as I said, we work with a lot of data. But how how is user satisfaction? How can we kind of measure that? I mean, we in, in telco business, I mean, it's it's so much of competition these days. So it's like, okay, we use our insights. We use data insights in terms of different reports. I mean, we have different models where we say, okay, are we, is our customer base increasing? How is our, how does our customer stock look like? How are our, I mean, revenues look like? So that's, uh, and this is, uh, this is only possible. I mean, you can go up if you have, I mean, if you have a good user experience, if you have a way to track track that and then work on those uh, insights. Nice, nice. Thank you very much for that, Ashwani. Um, and Dick, does it look any different for you compared to Maz? I know that you're both working in different areas or different sections of IKEA. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it all just depends uh, on what the user is because you usually there's a, a different target audience when you're using data. You both have the internal usage, you have how the, the actual users of the application or service is using, uh, using it. But in day to day, we use it a lot together with the, this cross-functional teams to see how new features, how are they performing, are people doing the things that we want to help them do and do that in an increasing way. Well, I was thinking about this with the user satisfaction and how does that look? Because from our perspective and in other areas that I've worked, uh, we are very good at sort of setting up the success metrics for this new product or feature. We want to achieve this or that number, like percent of users interacting with X. That's very easy to see are we reaching that or not 
but there might be that the feature is a success and more people are using it. But if that feature is a necessity for you, so that they have to go through and they have to use it to, in order to achieve whatever goals they have, it might be that you have more people going down that fund and doing these conversions, but they might not like it, but they are forced to. So my question, I'm going to uh, head over to that. How do you know if the actual satisfaction have increased? There are service and polls you can do towards your, your end users. But a lot of the times we see that the people who are actually answering these uh, surveys are the ones with really strong emotions, positive or negative. And uh, are they always that representative of the average user? So that's my question to you, uh, Ashwani and Mas, to see how you have tackled and thought about these kind of questions. I think, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a good and valid question. I mean, as I think I mentioned, I mean, yes, we are talking about user satisfaction, but how do we? I mean, okay, what are the ways? Especially if if I see in my area uh, or in our area in telco, okay, we come up with different offers, different brands, but is it is it really helping us? I mean, that's that's where the data and insights. I mean, it 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 plays a very important role, and I I must say here, I mean. Now today we have solutions, okay, which are more based kind of a reporting solutions. But we, I mean, we have a way to go where we need to be more work with more predictive kind of predictive uh, analytics. I mean, today we can look at. I think I mentioned we can look at different reports. We can look at different kind of stats, right? How are we? I mean, as I mentioned, I mean, is our customer stocks, for example, mobility? How many mobile users uh, we have today compared to one month? But then when it comes to more uh, kind of a proactive here, proactive kind of action, it's like, yeah, we would we would love to have like you have the customer. I mean, we have a customer service. How do we ensure we get, you know, more real time data from the customer service? Or if we have business users, they visit Elia site, they are searching or entering some comments. How do we kind of track those insights and provide, you know, provide the more you know insights more quickly because the market is changing so fast if if user is kind of going somewhere in a shop in website and he doesn't he or she doesn't find it i mean they will they will definitely go to other place so that's that's my my view on this or yeah more about uh, sort of understanding the full customer journey and see that how one thing impacts the other and so on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you know something called omnichannel. I mean, you need to make sure we have these different uh, customer touch points. What we have today, we have more kind of they are like secluded. We have different touch points and different. We need to kind of work. How do we combine them? How how do we make like one something omnichannel? You know, have one common touch point where you track uh, the feedback be it from uh, social media, be it from customer service, people calling. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that was a very thought-provoking question, uh, Dick. And uh, I agree uh, with, what, with what Ashwani said uh, about having multiple omni-channel setup where you can not just have customers uh, responding to the service, but also where you can have the majority of the customers that can be either uh, on different social media platforms like Reddit or, or um, Medium or any other platforms, 
but also uh, if you have like digital services and you can look at the reviews and ratings that people provide uh, for these services. So for example, in our area, HomeSmart, we have mobile applications that users uh, download and interact with the system. Uh, and there we often try to look at the reviews and ratings and understand the sentiments of different users and understand whether they're satisfied or not. So that's one area that we're trying to sort of get hold of and understand the customers in a better way. Yeah, nice. I think it's also that now we're talking about the customer journey and what the customer satisfaction looks like, but there's more. Now we're talking about users of data. We also have a lot of internal consumers of data, right? We have other teams within the companies. We have all these different analysts and, and market analysts and, and all these that, that are also using. That might be a little bit more accessible to get some some information from them that is not uh, a very skewed into uh, emotional uh, positive negative that maybe or something that will bring feedback to to how things are working or what you are uh, displaying or showing right so exactly i think it's a yeah it's a very good point because in organizations like i can tell you i mean they are so big organization you have like different i think it's very important sometimes that not sometimes i mean it's very important that w then we are also connected i mean the in any organization different units are connected towards the same customer because today i mean you are going growing systems grow complexity grows then there is it's very obvious that you know maybe same we are looking at the same customer from two different uh, perspectives for the same thing so it's very important that within the organizations how are we also uh, connecting integrating different units uh, towards the customer or towards the same goal for the customer perfect well yeah we'll move on now to um maz's question then so maz your question is how significant is it to observe what customers are saying about your brand um so if maz if you'd like to um give a bit of detail behind your question and then i'll let everybody jump in absolutely I think this is one of the many challenges that we are working with today, just trying to understand the general sentiment of the people about our products and services. Electronic uh, word, word of mouth has become a very important and sort of, you know, powerful tool for users who wish to share their knowledge, experiences and emotions about the product or service. In particular, I would say Gen Y and Z are, you know, very keen on using these social media platforms to praise uh, a great experience with the company or just share their frustrations. And I wanted to sort of take this opportunity and discuss the significance of observing what people are saying about your brand on various online platforms like Reddit, Trustpilot, and other forums. And as Bill Gates said, your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of learning. I believe that is as true as it gets. You know, you've got to figure out those unhappy customers and turn them into your loyal ones. I can just add by, I can just start by adding uh, how we are trying to overcome this at IKEA HomeSmart. Uh, we have uh, a customer engagement specialist within our team who is kind of responsible for engaging with the customers on these uh, different social media platforms who have complaints or just like negative re reviews about the any of the products or services. They try to engage with the customers, try to understand their feedback and sort of transform them into actionable tasks for the different engineering teams to work on basically. And over time, I think we have seen that this type of like 
very close engagement with the customers, build a very different kind of trust between the customers and the brand. And that really helps improving uh, the user satisfaction. So I would like to, you know, keep this floor open and have your input, Ashwani and Dick, about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends how significant it is. Uh, I think a lot of the, a lot of the times, if someone goes online and writes and writes some review on something, especially if it's a native one, it's a bit too late already. The damage has already happened. It's not like you're gonna be 100% having happy customers, but I think when this has happened, it's too late, sort of. So I think there must be a lot of time invested to proactively find these kind of issues. And that can be done via different kind of, of course, or also utilizing your internal resources and knowledge about how things are done. Depends on what service and product uh, we're talking about, of course. But usually, if, if you let someone buy a broken item, and you would only find out after they have come back. So if you can sort of mitigate this uh, ahead of time, find and correct these issues before too many are affected, at least. And I think it's like you said, that if you do it well, the customer will most probably, at least, become more loyal to the brand. But it's always, when reading these uh, negative comments, we need to figure out if these people are representative for the last large mass of customers. And I think that's the tricky part. Absolutely, I agree. I think it depends on the products and offerings uh, quite a bit. Uh, and also, as you said, it's not always the measure of how the masses think about your products and services. It's kind of subjective in that sense, for sure. I mean, if you're unlucky, there might be someone with a lot of, of uh, traction online that posts something really bad and people just follow on it without actually experiencing itself. Yes, I mean, how I see it, I mean, what users say, I mean, something like brand awareness, right? I mean, brand awareness helps us. I mean, it tells you how familiar people, I mean, people are or the customers are with the brand. Then whether it's like, okay, you have positive comments, I mean, positive, which is, I think, Maz, as you said, maybe that's 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 the easy part. Yeah, that's like happy going, fine. But what the negative comments, I think that that will help. I mean, that, and within data, I mean, with data and analytics, that's where you need, you need to make sure how do we capture those, those comments, those insights. That's where you can kind of actually leverage, uh, you know, leverage uh, the strengths of uh, different analytical solutions, then to kind of improve. Because in, in today's world, it's like, as we said, you know, we all agree, things are changing so fast. There is so much of competition. I mean, it's so important that first we understand how familiar people are with your brand, and then what can we do? How quickly we can respond to the actions? Because within telco, if you are having a telia mobile connection and TV, I don't want you to send uh, same information which you maybe you already have, right? So, yeah. Yeah, Shani, I think you brought up a very important point, which is how quickly you respond to uh, these action, uh, to these results that you have sort of gotten out of these, out of out of this analysis uh, of you know different ratings and reviews from from different customers. I think that is the most important thing here. Trying to get hold of the negative uh, comments and reviews, and you know making taking an action on top of that. 
exactly exactly i mean that's why i mean it's all about you we have so much of data but then uh, yes how how quick we are responding and how meaningful the data is how can we yeah how can we leverage that there is quite uh, some money also going into uh, marketing so I, I think it's fair to also follow up on what happens with all, with those uh, investments in, in yeah. local, like you say yeah. about brand awareness and so on exactly exactly i mean campaigns i mean for campaigns it's so important to have this so then you can you can we can come up with the right campaigns like as i said now uh, maybe like yeah we are almost in a sub, not the similar industry but what i'm like now we have black week coming up it's so important that we have the insights we have captured that okay what what is customer i mean what's people looking for then you can come up with campaigns accordingly otherwise uh, we might end up with the campaigns which people maybe they already have those or they are not interested. Definitely, and this also helps in kind of like capturing the expectations that your customers might have uh, from the brand itself moving forward, uh, especially in the kind of business that we are uh, in at HomeSmart, the kind of features that people expect for IKEA HomeSmart products to have in the future. That is very important for us to, you know, sort of capture and go through it at least and try to see if we can embed it in the in the future to make sure that we have happy customers at the end of the day. Right, and I see both these questions. First, we saw it's, uh, talked about the user experience, the brand. I think they are so related uh, because user experience is is basically talking about your the brand awareness. But are you then looking at some, because now we're talking about when someone is writing something online, do you have any any ways of collecting this kind of feedback before uh, they come online like i don't know in in an earlier stage yeah no what i was saying is today where we are we don't have i mean we don't have a solution where like we capture we i mean this text analytics if i call it or web analytics where people write the comments but that's where we would like to be today we have a solution okay when someone Okay, we captured the data once someone has raised a ticket or is calling uh, customer care. But here is like when someone goes to the Telia website and is looking or writing comments, how do we capture those comments and then have proactive offers like some kind of data products? Okay, if I'm that's where actually we would like to be with with uh, with this uh, analytical solutions. So depending on what they complain about, they will get a tailored offer. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it, exactly. Interesting, definitely. Oh, lovely. Well, we'll move on now um, to um, Ashwani's question. Um, so Ashwani, your question is, how do we increase the trust in data towards business users? Um, so if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question, um, and then I'll let everybody jump in. Yeah, so what I meant by is because now we are talking about a lot of data, we are talking about analytics, but at least in in how I see it, we still have a challenge of like, are, are does the people, our business users, like, okay, marketing guys, sales guys who are going to, do they have trust in the data? Are, how familiar they are with the data and how much they trust on the data? Uh, when you know when they are like when we say oh now we have this such a fancy solution because if sometimes i feel we end up in so much technology developing so many you know these different technical solutions but the disconnect is with the business so how can we kind of improve this how can we ensure 
uh, the business is aware and then they yes they also trust this information of this data a million dollar question quite literally <laughs> <laughs> i mean this a lot of investment going into these data teams of course Exactly. That's that has been our challenge. I mean, we talked a lot about we have been now focusing a lot on data governance. I mean, there are there are certain actions to be taken, but I I see like in at least in my area, and I have spoken to a few friends. Yes, we we are always talking about so many different. Now we have this model, we have this analytical model, but how much they are being used? What's the actual usage, business value? And that will come when business they have the trust. Definitely, I think this goes to sort of all the data producers within a company that then need to be responsible for providing the data into sort of one one source of truth. I mean, there's a lot of cases in a lot of different companies as well that we have like 38 different dashboards showing different number of I don't know uh, transactions or or some conversion rate that is becoming different then this is the data quality part of it that we have both the same numbers everywhere but also that it's easily accessible for everybody all these business users as you say but how is not, not only that they need to be one source of truth where everybody pulls the data from but also there needs to be some some common uh, understanding of what each metric means so everybody will calculate it the same way uh, going forward because even if they're using the same source or the same table when they are, are pulling data, they might do something with the business logic that gets the numbers off. And I think having having this accessible for everybody, how things are calculated, that's that's a good first step. But then it's also more and more depending on how mature uh, the the company or team is. We're building these different pipelines with all these different uh, really cool tools. And the bare minimum needs to be that there's some kind of quality checks along the way from source to to where you landed so we make sure that you have data from i don't know all stores all markets or and have no duplicates and so on but i think when problem arises and it surely will at some point there needs to be some kind of framework on how you communicate it and and having these quality checks along the way will allow us to reduce the time to fixing it as well but it needs to be um, communicated to to the users of this data that something has happened, and I think this is a little bit goes back to what uh, Mas said before that if something gets questioned in this in this case the data quality if that gets questioned by the consumers it might be a little bit too late and it's hard to repair that trust if you lose it once. Right, I mean that's how uh, where I see. I mean it's it's so important that within then organization i mean there is this overall like something like data governance data strategy for example if i i mean if at because how i see it is normally you know the analytics it comes at the end in the chain and then we are always kind of struggling sometimes we try to fix things at our end but like it's for example what is uh, if you can telco language subscription do we have a common definition of subscription across uh, across the organization or in your case okay if you have a retail a retail uh, retail id for example what is retail id i think this is where i mean someone can challenge oh i mean we had similar issues 10 uh, 
20 years back or I mean, I can say, oh, we were, I mean, 10 years back when we built a, a warehouse, we were talking the same things and now we are again discussing. So is it like have we done nothing? So that's why I sometimes I'm kind of, oh, what exactly it is? It's not like we have been sitting, you know, idling. I mean, we have not been kind of thinking. But then, yes, it's like, yeah, in big companies, the data is now, you know, the volume of data. There are different systems. Earlier, we had like on-prem. Now we have like cloud solutions coming up. Sometimes we we don't kind of end up in decommissioning systems. We end up creating more. And I feel like this way, it adds so much kind of then this complexity in this area where we then yeah one data set will we say okay this the meaning of this attribute is different in different places definitely i think one one way to sort of overcome uh the challenge that you, both you ashwani and dick have mentioned uh that people across the organization might have different understanding of different uh data points that you have basically I think one way to to solve it is to have a very close collaboration uh, between the cross-functional teams so they have a mutual understanding of what that particular objective and key result is basically uh, so they can use it in the right way and make you know useful insights out of it exactly. yeah definitely and maybe the, this connection between business user and data teams is not so much different from from the company and its customers I mean, it needs to be some kind of relationship between the data teams and the consumers. So at least they know if something uh, goes wrong, you don't lose all credibility at once. And how that is built, I think, is mainly about what the processes are, are on how you communicate and how you uh, gather feedback from the, the business and, and how you execute on it as well. So you, you build that credibility over time and with credibility, you're also allowed to fail at uh, times. I believe companies, you know, must take lead in uh, sort of educating their consumers about uh, the personal data and how it, it will be used. Any firm that thinks it's sufficient to simply provide disclosures in an end user licensing agreement or present the terms and conditions of the data, uh, they are sort of missing the point. Uh, such moves may address the regulatory requirements for sure, uh, but they do very little, if anything, uh, to help consumers and build that trust uh, that you talk uh, about, uh, Dick, that you need to have that trust between the consumer and the organization as well. Right, and I also think or see that, like, you know, the business, if I call this business stakeholders, like, for example, product managers, sometimes, I mean, Okay, we have a system. We have Delia stores. They are using some online system, uh, and then you know someone enters the data, and then okay, it flows through different system comes to analytics. So when when we are kind of when there are different some new products, something new being launched, then it's important that we have this end-to-end -end perspective, end-to-end -end view. What is what's happening? I mean this. I don't know if we call it customer journey or like, you know, the data when it originates from a certain system and when it goes to the end, if it's like analytical user, that we have that end-to-end -end perspective of uh, data, not only, yeah, not only narrow down the scope. Okay, now, okay, I needed to, we need to kind of launch a new product and this is the system, let's do it this way. 
because that will definitely help. And that what we have been also now, we have a team data governance. I mean, that's where they have been kind of now working closely with uh, like, OK, we are from analytics and there are IT systems, you know, within the IT. So we have a I think we are starting with a good collaboration there where we kind of as a consumers of the data, not we are not actual, but if you look at in organization analysis, kind of a consumer where we have certain clear use cases. So within the organization, I think what I'm trying to say within the organization, it's also very important, like uh, as we discussed earlier, like we have this end to end view of the data. And then also it's important uh, for the business users is how quickly they get the data. I mean, the data latency. I mean, if uh, there is a, some guys doing some sales reporting in the morning, I mean, it's important that for him that he gets the one is okay, right data, which we're talking about, but also at the right time. If it's a, like two days, three days old data, maybe then uh, it's it's of no use for them. So quality, data quality, and also then the data latency, I see is the key, key areas. And I think that goes back to what we talked about, this relationship with the, the consumers, that we need to know what they expect and what they need before we start building anything really, because else we will just build uh, what we think people will use, but not uh, might not suit the actual use case. I was thinking about what you said with this end-to-end -end, uh, view of from uh, data production until to the users. Sometimes it might be hard to know all of the consumers of your data. So if you're making some changes to your source, you might not always know who gets impacted in the end. How, how have you uh, approached that? There, I mean, I have a different, I mean, I can tell because uh, like, as you said, I mean, today, okay, we are an analytic, we have a source X, Y, Z, where we get customer data. I think, or for me, if I am, if I am, I am a source for certain systems. If I am doing any changes, uh, at least I know what are the different integrations I have. So it's very important that I am keeping my uh, like uh, outbound systems or users informed. Okay, this is the change we are planning because that flow they are then part of kind of giving an acceptance if we call it like acceptance test, right? I mean, they should kind of check mark this. Yes, this is okay. So otherwise, yeah, I, I'm afraid then we will have big problems if I'm not uh, talking to the outbound system as the users and uh, do changes. And that sometimes is, I mean, this where coming, I mean, coming from my real experience is where we have sometimes those uh, issues as well. Uh, I think it's hard to, to completely uh, mitigate it because like I said, you, you know who your main consumers will be or maybe most, but there might be also people using that same tables that they haven't uh, sort of uh, explained before and that they will use it. And then some some column or some definition changes and then things break at some point and then well, you exactly. just have to backtrack it. Yeah, I mean, as I said, we are now uh, undergoing a big transformation where we are moving from one system to another. And this is exactly where we are facing also problem because you have a legacy built over years. People are changing. Then sometimes it is, yeah, it's it's very hard to kind of find. And that's what now as a lesson learned with our new, uh, you know, system, what we are building, 
we how can we prevent this that then we have to ensure i think and maybe i don't know we are debating from the target it's also like how how complicated your system has grown so it's very important you know the overall architect how simple you want to keep it yeah, yeah. definitely because one one constant is there will always be change you will never have uh, like a, a data producer or, or some pipeline that will be uh, stale and never change again so you need to have the processes of doing that because yeah the use cases will evolve and the the product will evolve and so on no yeah exactly exactly i think it's so yeah i mean with data governance and now i i'm just thinking i mean it's it's very important also like how you are how you build your system how complex how simple it is and then overall you know governance because again over a period of times you know systems if you don't have a good kind of governance on different levels i mean you will end up unfortunately some kind of a spaghetti system which then makes it more complex uh, yeah but interesting discussions maybe going back to one point that dick mentioned about uh, not being able to cover all the end consumers when you're working with the data i think that's where sort of like a two-way communication involving the people who are working with the data to have a bit of like understanding of where exactly uh, the business cases are uh, where the data will be used and vice versa having um, the business people have a better understanding of what kind of data we can collect from different products and services i think that kind of thing has really helped us in overcoming this this problem that we discussed yeah i mean if you if you have if you are the sourcing uh, if you are the source of some data you can also always build some kind of access requests so you can see who is actually consuming your data as well. Mm. But but it might be second-hand usage. So you might know your first-hand uh, users, but they in, in turn might also source this data further on, yeah. which makes it interesting and also a bit challenging. And then I'm like in, as I said, like if I look at the data engineering, you know, sometimes it's not one is, you know, lack of, governance that we have data quality issues it is then adding also so much of frustration within the team also because the data engineers ultimately i think a lot of people have our data engine they fix everything but i think it becomes yeah it becomes so cumbersome because this is the input i get some sometimes oh now we have to do and you know since you are technically you end up then solving things and which maybe is not i mean it's good you're solving but maybe it's not the good thing in the right way because that's why you end up then having maybe too many shortcuts complex solutions and all that yeah might be right oh lovely definitely some really good points there um did anybody else have anything um to add just before i go ahead and stop the recording there Perfect. Well, I just want to say thank you to everyone for joining me today and thank you to everyone who's still listening.